Hey everyone, and welcome to SermonCast, a Cheyenne Hills podcast where you can find just the message portion of our services each week. We hope this gives you the opportunity to better digest the teaching portion of our services, whether listening to them again or hearing them for the first time. And now, here's today's message. When defeat is glaring at you, but your cause is worth it, so you grit your teeth and charge, that's valor. Valor is more than mere courage. It's the unyielding spirit that rises when faith meets adversity. It's a quality seen in the stories of David, Esther, and countless others, but also shows up in our everyday lives, in any one of us. It doesn't require armor made of steel or the rocket's red glare. It's seeing something that needs doing, a person who needs help, and taking that first step. Valor is revealed in acts of selflessness, in hands that reach out to lift others up, and in hearts that forgive and heal. It's the reflection of Christ's love in our lives, manifesting a strength that changes the world bit by bit. A soldier in battle, a nurse in an ER, a Christian speaking life to a stranger. That is Valor. All right, good morning, guys. It's good to see you here this morning. Uh, I got a question for you. If this has ever happened to you, it's happened to me. Someone thinks that you should be good at something, maybe because of like your parents were good at it and uh, you're just terrible. Like, have you guys ever had that happen? All right. Like they knew your parents were good on it, good at it. And they thought it would get passed on to you. And you're like, passed on. It got passed over, like just (laughs) right past me. It did not get passed on. I mean, whether it's cooking or fixing cars, fixing things that break around the house, doing a consistent budget, remembering birthdays. You're like, yeah, my dad fixed things really well. My mom, man, she could cook anything. And you're like, I can cook up an idea of where I want to go for dinner, right? And have somebody else makes it for, make it for me. You're like, I, I got no hope making Kentucky Fried Chicken, but I can drive through KFC, right? You're like, I can do that. Um, <laughs> your dad might have been handyman. I know mine was, you know, it's like MacGyver. You give that guy bubble gum and a paper clip and you feel like, you know, he's dangerous. He can get it done. The rest of us, we're dangerous for a different reason, okay? Have, have you guys seen the, there's signs around Cheyenne, there's a couple different companies, and it says, call us, we'll fix what your husband tried to. <laughs> You're like, oh man, as a husband, that's so offensive and accurate. I just recently tried to fix my own garage door and I got close and it didn't work, so I had to call somebody. Um, so sometimes things, they, they don't get passed on to us. Um, or you could be in a situation where you're, you're like, man, I used to be able to do this pretty well, but I, don't, I can't do it very well anymore. And so that leads me to tell you guys my current failing, all right? Uh, something that I thought I would be good at, other people thought I would be good at, but I'm failing miserably, leaving me to feel like a miserable failure, okay? It's fantasy football, okay? That's what we're talking about. <laughs> And it may not be important to you, 
I thought it might be important to me, but I am terrible at it. Okay. There, there was one spot open here at the church. The church has a league. And so one spot's open, like, Hey, Carson, would you be interested? And I'm like, yeah, everybody's kind of excited, but nervous. Like, Oh, Carson's got a football background. You know, he might be dangerous, but, uh, Look at this graphic. I'm not dangerous. That's uh, that's what you call not dangerous right there. Evan gave me that ma- that name after a couple weeks. He's like, what do you think about Sween and a Miss? So thank you, Evan Grubel. Uh, sell the team. So that's how I feel. <laughs> but what hurts so much, whether it's fantasy football or fixing stuff or cooking or whatever it is, what hurts so much is that, like, I'm actually trying, right? Like, very hard to win a game and I can't do it. And for some of us, you're like, I feel the same way. Tried really hard to cook this meal and my kids won't touch it. In our house, we hear it's not my favorite. We're like, well, you're going to eat it still. (laughs) (laughs) So in fantasy football has three major elements and I'm going to tell you about them. And I promise somehow it relates to the sermon today. If you can believe that. All right. Fantasy football. We're talking valor. We're going to study Moses. All of that's on the menu, so you're welcome. All right, ADD pastor, you get a lot for the ADD sermon. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Okay, so fantasy football. First is you have the draft, okay? You have to choose the players that you want on your team, and obviously I chose very poorly, all right? Uh, And then the second thing is, is once you have your team, you have to choose who to start, who do you want to be in and get you points, um, you, you know, whoever you think is going to score the most points, have the most yards, you put them in for the, uh, to get you the most points. And I can't get that right. So, uh, and then the third thing is, is that you have to choose who's on your bench. You're not cutting them. They're not off your team, but they're on the bench. You might play them in future weeks, but not right now. Um, and even if you're not a football player or you've never played fantasy football, that's okay. I know that you can relate to being chosen for a specific job, right? Someone drafted you to help with something. Maybe it was a weekend project, something around your office. Uh, maybe you were chosen for a promotion or to start a new role. We know what that feels like. But we also know what it feels like to be benched for someone to give up on us, uh, to get fired, to get passed over, to feel like uh, we don't matter uh, like we used to. And so today we're going to look at Moses. Moses was chosen for a new job, all right? He was a shepherd, but God drafted him, so to speak, called him to something new. And he was chosen for battle. He was a man of valor. But what we want to look at today is like, what was that battle? What was the battle for Moses? And that's going to relate to my question for us is, what is our battle? What are we called to fight for today? Our series is Valor, and the definition that Casey gave me was it's courage in battle. So we want to be courageous, but it really, Valor shows up when your life is on the line. So what battle is God calling us to fight? What can we learn from Moses and apply to our life? Well, if you have several hours to kill, read the book of Exodus. I encourage you to, all right? I did. I I mean, I drove down to get my wife from the airport this week and just the drive to DIA, I listened to it on the YouVersion Bible app. And I think I got like maybe halfway through Exodus. All right. It's a long book, but Moses shows up in chapter two. Um, and Moses, his name means out of the water. Uh, when Moses was like three months old during this time, Pharaoh gave an edict to kill all of the male Jewish babies. And so, um, Uh, Pharaoh was worried about their population growth for the Israelites and the power that they might seize. And so he had all male babies killed. 
they were thrown into the Nile. His mother did all she could to keep him hidden for about three months. And then she had to release him. Um, have you guys seen the Prince of Egypt? And there's like this epic scene of the basket going through like crocodiles and hippos. I don't think that's probably true because like late, if you read the story, Moses's mom and his sister were close enough to talk to Pharaoh's daughter who took him out of the water and actually connect Moses with his mom to be nursed and to, um, to help him until he was old enough. So anyways, but his mom puts him in this floating basket right towards Pharaoh's palace, which you would think would be the least safe place that she could, that she could send this basket. But ironically, um, it was Pharaoh's daughter who rescues Moses and raises him. And I just, I bet Moses felt like he never fit in, maybe never safe. Can you imagine the tension in his family? You know, Moses's adopted grandpa was the psychotic baby murderer of his people. And I'm sure that story was told and he knew it. And as you read on, Moses gets older and he knows uh, that he's a Hebrew and he sees the injustice happening to his people. Um, they had just horribly cruel slave drivers. And one day Moses steps in to stop this injustice and he kills a slave driver. And instead of his, uh, his people, there's a couple of Hebrews that were there. And instead of receiving what he did and even receiving Moses as a potential leader, they mock him, they reject him and they say, Moses, are you going to kill us too? And so Moses is afraid for his life. The Hebrews know, and then the Egyptians find out and he is wanted for this murder and they're going to kill him. And so he flees, he flees the Egyptians, uh, Egypt, he flees his family. If you fast forward many, many years, Moses has finally got a family of his own. Uh, they're not, uh, he's not with Jewish people or Egyptians, but there's this nomadic people out in the desert. Uh, but he's got a family and he's making a living as a shepherd and he's not in danger. So this is a new thing for Moses. Uh, he's safe. He's raising his family way out in the de desert, way out in obscurity. And what's so cool is that God calls Moses in this place. And it shows us that God can call us at any point in our life from anywhere. Uh, Moses is old. He's in his 80s. He's away from his Hebrew family and his nation, yet God calls him. And the first thing I had um, for you guys today, if you're taking notes, is that church, God can call you at any time, anywhere, and at any age to something special. And we see that for Moses. And you guys know the story. There's this bush that it's burning, but it's not consumed. Um, it's burning, but this bush remains. It's not burned up. And if you've seen the Prince of Egypt, uh, it's maybe one of my favorite parts when God speaks to him through this bush and God's voice is set to Val Kilmer. And it's just like epic and amazing. And it's like he's speaking to Moses. But instead of doing a Val Kilmer impersonation, we're just going to read the Bible. So if you guys would grab your Bible and uh, Exodus chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. Exodus 3, verses 1 through 10. Let's read Moses, his call when God chooses him. I'm going to read out of the ESV. Now Moses was keeping the flock for his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why is the bush not burned? And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, uh, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And then God said, do not come near. Take off 
your sandals off of your feet. The place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I surely have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land that flows with milk and honey, the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So Moses, right here, Moses is chosen by God to lead God's children out of Israel to, out of Egypt to the promised land. And Moses' story, it's so unique. Uh, it's so powerful. And even in Exodus, it ta God talks about that for his namesake, for his glory, he's going to do this. And this story is known worldwide. And um, the Israelites celebrate Passover every year. It is a hallmark tradition for them. And people today, I, you know, you might have heard this term. Someone might say I had a burning bush experience, a, a burning bush moment. And so for me, when I hear that, it's like they, they um, are trying to say that they had some sort of a direct experience with God. And we've heard some of those testimonies even here today from the worship team. And what I believe is that a, a man or woman of valor, they do have a strong calling, that they do have probably a burning bush type experience that they can go back to, they can draw upon when things get hard. So when you have an experience similar to Moses, that's when I feel like that's what helps us to battle doubt. When people doubt you or people say that it can't be done, men or women of valor, they do draw upon their calling when things get hard. And so I wish I had time to like hear what you guys might have some burning bush experiences in your life. I would love to hear those stories of how God showed up, how he spoke to you or, you know, how he might have saved you. You have a dramatic difference in your life from before you were saved till now. Maybe you're in a job or a specific path of your life and you feel like God told you to do what you're doing right now. And for those of us that have that, this kind of a message very much fires you up. You're like, yes, I got to remember my calling and my God and press on. But for those of us that do not have a burning bush experience, how does that leave you to feel, right? Maybe not as special. I know I've heard some folks talk about like, well, I don't have, I don't have that kind of conversion testimony like so-and-so shared. I don't have that. I just, I don't know. I just love Jesus. <laughs> like it's a bad thing or like not enough. You're like, like, no, no. Um, but let's go to Moses' story. What hit me was, who was there for the burning bush, right? It wasn't Moses' wife. It wasn't um, his father-in-law. It wasn't his brother Aaron. Israel wasn't there. It's just Moses, right? It is just Moses that has this burning bush encounter. But this encounter affects Aaron. It affects his family. It affects Israel. And it, drama it dramatically affects Egypt. So it affects so many people. But Moses was the only one there. And I just want to say, church, at the end of your life, God is not going to ask you why you weren't like, more like Moses. He's not going to ask you why you weren't more like Moses. He made you to be you and not Moses. You have your own calling. You have your own gifting. And you live in this time. And that's special. You're special to God because you exist. He made you. And he wants you to thrive in his family. 
But we have to remember this, is that we are chosen. Can you guys say that with me? We are chosen. We're chosen. Moses was chosen. If you're a Christian, God has chosen you. And the, the question that I have, though, is, so we're chosen, and we have to remember that. But what is our battle, right? What battle are we chosen for in 2023? Moses was chosen to deliver Israel out of Egypt. And the biggest battle of Moses's life lay ahead of him after the burning bush. But first, he had to convince everybody that a burning shrub uh, told him that the world's superpower, Egypt, uh, should let over half a million slave workers go. Uh, let their families go, by the way, too. Oh, and let all of their animals, so let all their wealth, all their people, all of their kids and then to top that off, God's like, and Egypt is going to give you pretty much all of their gold and silver. You know, and so Moses is like, this message was already hard to deliver. And then you ended it with the gold and silver thing, right? Like, like what could possibly go wrong? They're going to lose the backbone of their economy. They're going to be destitute for workers. And they're essentially going to bankrupt themselves by giving all of their silver and gold to uh, Israel. And his story is that a shrub in the desert told him, that this should happen. So follow me real quick, just because it's funny and it drives home a point, but just imagine that this happened today. Okay. So imagine a newsroom and a breaking report. So it's like CNN uh, reporting live, Dave, you're in the field. This just in, what do you got for us? And Dave's like, yeah, I'm out here in Arizona. And there's a guy, he uh, had uh, an experience with a burning tumbleweed. And, uh, <laughs> apparently America should get rid of all of their machines. If it has a screen or machined parts, we've got to get rid of it. We're going back to the 1800s um, because there's a burning tumbleweed and it told him to do it. So Dave is going to be talking to Congress and the president shortly. Back to you in the studio. You know, <laughs> like nobody's playing that. Like, that's crazy. And that's how Moses felt, right? Like we, we experienced the story like, oh, it's Moses in a burning bush. It's nuts. It is crazy. And Moses had to take that story and tell it over and over again. And the other thing, too, is that this message was so hard, it made everything worse for everybody before it got better. And so Moses felt that tension of like, I'm not helping, I'm hurting. Read, read Exodus and see how bad it got before the plagues really start to take off. So going back to us, guys, is, is what battle are we chosen for today? I want to say this, before God is going to call you to do something for him, he is going to call you to be with him. Our first call is always personal holiness, that God wants to spend time with us. God spoke, if you read Exodus, God spoke to Moses a lot. And that is why we have this book. God wants to speak to you a lot. And it's all written down in 66 love letters that are in this book. And he is calling us first and foremost to read his word and to be with him. Second, we are chosen to tell others about our faith. We have a message just like Moses. We have a message that makes us uncomfortable, I'm sure at times, just like Moses. But we've got to tell other people about our salvation, to share our, our testimonies, to be able to talk about what God says in the Bible is right and wrong. What the Bible says about heaven and hell. And it doesn't seem like many people are having those conversations today. There's a lot of stuff that tries to get in the way. Maybe nowadays it feels socially wrong to even do so. Now, people won't like it. It'll upset them. Moses understands exactly where you guys are at with that. 
And then now I want to talk about a little bit of even just Satan's role in this, okay? The Bible says that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And his agenda shows up all the time in Egypt in the book of Exodus. The Egyptians stole Israel from freedom and made them slaves. The Egyptians killed Hebrew baby boys by throwing them in the Nile to drown. And the Egyptians pursued Moses and Israel right before God parts the sea. Uh, Pharaoh decides, I'm going to destroy them. And then so he pursues them to destroy them before God parts the sea. And ironically, Pharaoh and his army are destroyed and judged by water after what he had done to the Israel uh, baby boys. So what about today? Satan still wants to steal our freedom. The Egyptian Pharaoh killed thousands of babies for fear of overpopulation and not being able to control a people group. Does that sound familiar? Right? That's still today. Satan still wants to kill. I feel like in the Old Testament, Satan very much seems like he stood center stage and just was an affront to God and his plan and his people. And Satan is still alive and well, but it doesn't seem like he's on center stage anymore. It seems like he's behind the stage. But I want you to know that Satan is still behind the evil that we see in our day. And in Moses' day, Satan tried to destroy God's kids. And today, God's kids are not just Israel, right? It's anyone who would confess their sin and believe in the Lord Jesus. So how might Satan try to destroy God's family in 2023? How about shutting up Christians from sharing their faith in the gospel? making that really uncomfortable, really unpopular. You might lose your job. To silence those that are called to speak. Moses was called to speak. To speak up to Pharaoh, he was called to speak to his Hebrew family. And it wasn't easy, and he messed up a lot. I mean, if you read Exodus, Moses is not perfect, just like we're not. But in the end, he did what God called him to do. He shared and he delivered his people. And I feel that that is our call today is to share and still be about deliverance for those that are in our life. But will you share? That's the big question, right? Will you share your faith? Will you deliver your people, those that are all around you, those that you work with? Without your words, it cannot be done. So that question of what battle are we chosen for? It's the question this morning. And so if you guys want to write this down, this is my answer to my main point, okay? We are chosen to deliver God's family. Just like Moses, we are chosen to deliver God's family. Moses let out millions of Israelites. I don't know how many God will call you to bring, uh, to deliver through salvation. I don't know, but God's got people for you. So will you share your faith? Um, I was, I was thinking, thinking about, about another example. example. So I think Moses is a, a good example. example. Um, and then I was thinking New Testament, okay? So, so if Moses doesn't do it for you, let's look at the Apostle Peter, okay? Peter spends over three years with Jesus. He sees the miracles. He's a part of the teaching. But before the crucifixion, Peter is so scared that he doesn't stand up for his faith in front of one person. You guys remember this, right? It was a little girl, maybe a preteen girl. One preteen girl, Peter denies Jesus three times, and then the rooster crows, right? Jesus predicted it. But after the resurrection, um, Peter gets to spend time with Jesus. He believes that he's the Messiah, the risen Lord. And instead of God coming down on Peter, like uh, what plays in our head so much, is like, I'm not worthy. I don't get another chance. I screwed up too much. Look what Jesus says to Peter. Um, this won't be on the screen, but it's Matthew 
16, 18. Jesus says this to Peter, as Peter's feeling probably the shame and the brokenness of what he's done. Jesus says this, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Man, can you imagine how that felt to Peter? No condemnation. God, Jesus speaks life into him and says, I will build my church upon you, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So fast forward, um, Acts chapter 2. Peter stands in front of thousands of people that could have crucified him just like Jesus, and he gives this message. We're going to be in Acts 2, verses 36 through 41. And just to see the change in Peter. Peter says this uh, to the crowd, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who received his word were baptized, and uh, they were added to that day about 3,000 souls. Amen, right? So Peter, he couldn't, he couldn't stand up for his faith in front of one person, and now he's preaching in front of thousands, and 3,000 received this call. Church, the battle is for God's family. That is the battle. We talk about valor. The battlefield is for God's family. Moses led his people out of Egypt. Peter led his people out of captivity spiritually. 3,000 and the same call, the same expectation lies on all of us today. So what did God say uh, in Exodus 3.10? Um, God said this, said this to Moses, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So my thought here was like, let's put the church's name in there. Let's make this relevant for us right now. I will send my church to the evil rulers of their day that they may bring my people, all who believe in Christ, out of captivity. The battle is for God's children and the battle rages on today. Church, you are special to God. Your neighbor is special to God. Your coworkers are special to God. Cheyenne is special to God. I think about our country. You think about the nations in the world. There are millions, there are billions of people that do not feel the warmth of God's love because someone has not had the courage to share the gospel with them yet. I hope that we can be a people that can share the gospel with the world. I'm going to read uh, Peter's sermon one more time and then uh, just a couple extra verses and then I'm going to pray for us and we have a special song that we're going to conclude with. So let's, let's look again, thinking about Peter's sermon, but also thinking about what is the sermon that God is giving you for your loved ones, your friends, and your coworkers. So let's look at Peter's message starting in verse 32. I'm going to read this one out of the New Living Translation. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. He's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out on us, just as you see here today. For David himself never ascended to heaven, but he said, The Lord said to my Lord, 
sit in the place of honor at my right hands until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and those who are far away all who have been called by our Lord and our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, <laughs> strongly urging his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed in Peter said, um, those who believed in what Peter said were baptized in that day, about 3,000 in all. Would you guys pray with me? <clears throat> God, thank you for this opportunity to... Uh, to speak, to go way back and to look at Moses and like the totality of his life and what Moses did to be obedient and to talk to Pharaoh and to say things that made things worse before they got better, but he led his people out and he delivered them. Lord, in our day, I pray for all of us as we lead ourselves. The first person that we have to lead is ourselves. Lord, help us to spend time in your word and to cherish you and your time. Help us, Lord, out of personal holiness to then talk to others about our faith, our saving faith, and what Jesus did for us and what Jesus can do for others. I pray, Lord, that you would empower us to deliver the children, your children, but they haven't been saved yet. They're waiting for someone to bring them the message. Lord, help us to be those people. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Make sure to check out our companion podcast where we dig deeper into an aspect of each week's sermon with questions and applications that are great for your Bible study or your grow group conversations. Like and subscribe to the channel as well so you don't miss any of our sermons or content. And if you're interested in our church, come check us out at CheyenneHills.org. And remember, be strong and very courageous.